Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. So on May 4th, I celebrated my one-year anniversary or my Nifty-versary in the space, and I did a whole episode about that, speaking about all the things. However, one thing that I thought about is I should have thought of some different things that I wish I knew from day one, because I made countless mistakes as far as overspending for things, burning money here and there, even committing mistakes that are on the blockchain as far as when I was creating an NFT or a template. So I thought of 10 different things that I wish I knew last year at this time, and I think I would have been at a better place. However, of course, we all have to go through those growing pains, learn these various lessons. So I'm just going to condense them down. I'm going to throw them all into one episode and pass them on to the next person. So if you are brand new to NFTs, this episode is definitely for you. However, if you've been in the space, you can still learn something from this. So when I first came into the NFT space, Twitter spaces is not as big as it is today. Clubhouse was still in its prime and glory as the first audio only app. The other apps such as Twitter space ended up copying what Clubhouse did because the audience was already there. The crypto community was on Twitter. It was just easy to build up all that momentum for spaces. I definitely wish from day one, someone told me invest more time into Twitter spaces and follow every single person that I find interesting or vibe with. Someone goes up, says something interesting, or I just see someone hanging out in a small space for a very niche or specific topic. Just follow everyone in that room because if I'm interested in that and those 10 or 15 people are also interested in that and they're willing to sit in that room and listen for 10, 15 minutes, although we didn't have the opportunity to have those conversations, most likely we have things that we have in common and we would vibe pretty well. So go ahead and follow them, and I would definitely have more people in my circle as far as the content that I'm seeing because I realize a lot of those people that are sitting in those rooms, they will share various NFT projects and news and insights and things that I'm also interested in. And I know a lot of people will say, well, if you follow all of those people, it's going to mess up your algorithm and all that. You're going to see a whole bunch of junk on your feed. Well, that's not actually true. Twitter knows that what you interact with, what you're most interested in, that is what you're going to see more of. And even if you are someone who did not uh, create a specific account just for NFTs, because a lot of us do split off and create an NFT account or for whatever it is that we're doing, our project or anything of that nature, and you'll notice that everything on that feed is all about NFTs. However, if you have an established Twitter account that you're using for your business or whatever it might be, and you happen to stumble into this NFT space, Twitter knows that the more time you're spending in that space, Space, that means that you are interested in those things. So it's going to show you a lot more of those things. However, if you're still a little bit worried saying that it's going to dilute and mix up your newsfeed and what have you, you can make lists. There's an easy way to sort through different people. You can create lists for NFT people. You can create lists for artists, people that you're in spaces with, or anything of that nature. I have a bunch of lists, various projects that I'm in with people. For example, the 90s babe, I have them in there as bit. 90s Babes Brigade, and various communities as far as anything that I'm related to or interested in, I should say. I have artists, I have movers and shakers, you know, the people that are actually creating some huge companies and doing some amazing things within the NFT space. And that is how I start out. So if I want to see what a platform is doing, I'll go to my platform list. If I want to see what some artists, some new creations that they have, I'll go to my creations list or my artist list, I should say, and see their latest posts. So that is one way to just sort through to be easily able to uh, find things. But I find most likely 
that whatever's on the main newsfeed itself is something that I'm going to be interested in. And it's not something that I feel like it's a waste of time. The second thing I wish someone told me was join Discord and really learn it. Because if you listen to me, I have said it multiple times that I have a love-hate relationship with Discord. When I first came on to Discord, I absolutely hated it. I did not like it. The server that I came into had probably 60 different channels and it was a total circus. I did not enjoy myself and I ran away and didn't come back for several months. So much so that recently I realized that I had joined a bunch of Discords in my first few days or so on there. And some things that I rediscovered lately, I find myself trying to join that Discord only to find out that I'm already in there. So again, weeding through some of that, getting rid of some of those things, but I definitely wish I had spent that hour or so that initially after running away for a couple months and I came back, I said, okay, I'm going to learn this thing in an hour and I'm just going to block off this space this afternoon. I'm going to figure this thing out. And within that hour or so, it really started to click and I started to get used to it. Can't say that I love it, but hey, learn Discord, number two thing I wish I told myself or I knew. Number three, I wish I found a core group of people or accountability buddies Towards the end of summer, early fall, I would say, I found this guy by the name of Crypto Mike. Long story short, that we ended up getting into a, a project on Wax that was something that we both liked the artwork of, what have you. He started holding a whole bunch of spaces, which I came to find out that he accidentally started his first space. He was trying to message various people and ended up going live on a space. And then people started to flood into the room. And the creator of that project actually came in and that room blew up. A whole bunch of people came in and it was like hundreds of people. And because of that, he was known as the guy that was holding a bunch of Twitter spaces. And fast forwarding it, for a while, I stopped following that project and uh, he wasn't doing rooms as frequently as uh, before. However, we reconnected, found out that he was launching his own project called the Backpack Buddies and all sorts of things that he was doing. And I said, wow, you know, if I had continued going to those spaces because he was in them 24 sevens. And I just remember being in contact with him. I was like, yeah, it's a pretty cool guy. However, only to find out that he's doing some amazing things and I'll probably end up doing a separate episode on him and his project and everything. However, having that core group, if I had stuck with him all along and instead of just going off on Rogue and trying to figure out all the stuff on my own, it would have been awesome. But as I said, we reconnected and everything has been cool and I've been in that project, a small project, hanging out with him and everything. But if I had that group from day one, I think I would have learned so much more because each of us would be exploring various areas and then returning back to the group to share it with everyone else. And I like to say that connections are actually more valuable than the actual tokens, these NFTs or even coins or whatever that we're getting, because the people, as a couple episodes ago, I said the highest ROI that you're going to find in this NFT space is actually a friend or the people that you come in contact with, because they're going to give you your alpha, you know, your information for what's coming up or what breaking news, because you cannot possibly explore everything. So much is going on. However, we're limited to 24 hours. So those connections way more valuable than the NFTs itself. Number four, I wish somebody told me that minting an NFT Yes, it does have the highest possibility for a reward, but it also is the highest risk. You could go from zero to hero and back to zero, like very quickly. So you don't even know what's going to mint out, what's going to be a rug pull, or, you know, sure, there's some things, some indicators to say this is something that has some legs to it, some longevity. But 
I can even think of uh, Tribe X, which had so much going for it. it, had celebrities, had a huge team, had founders, a massive roadmap, all sorts of things. However, there was a flaw in the contract or in the wallet, if you will, that allowed someone to take out those initial mint funds. And the project basically derailed. However, it seems like they found some legs now recently. They're getting ready to do some different launches and what have you. But anyways, what I wanted to say is, yes, the mint is the most risk. It can go all the way up or it can go all the way down. You don't really know where it's going to go. Now, some people will not mint at all and they will say there's no way that they're going to mint. They want an established project. Now, that is cool, fine and dandy if you have the funds to do that. However, when something is already proven to be successful, it's going to be that much more expensive to get into it. Whereas something might mint very inexpensively, let's say if it is on ETH, it is 0.05 or whatever blockchain, it really doesn't matter, but I just use ETH because that's where the volume is. So it could easily take off and go to one ETH. And then that is a huge gain, right? However, it can also just crash and burn and go to not even worth the value of the gas to make a transaction with it. And we see this all the time in the space projects absolutely just sputter and fail, whether it is that the team didn't know what they're doing or the interest for it just weaned because uh, another project came out that stole their thunder. Who knows? Anything can happen. Number five, I wish someone told me not to calculate my profits and loss, my PNLs in dollars. Whatever cryptocurrency it is, whether it is in ETH, it is in WAX, it is in Soul, it is Tezos, Cardano, it does not matter. Just to know that, okay, whatever I purchased it for, let's say it is one Soul. Well, it does not matter where the dollar equivalent of that soul is. If I turn around and can sell it for one and a half soul, that's cool, regardless of the value, as long as I have faith in the soul ecosystem, the Solana ecosystem. Same thing as ETH. ETH is extremely down right now. So a lot of people are looking at it as saying that, okay, it is at this point of recording, it is in the two sixes or the two fives that they can't possibly sell it for the same ETH that the equivalent when they bought it was, you know, $4,000 per ETH. However, if you have faith in ETH and you think it's going to rally and come back. So the advice I would have told myself is do not look at the dollar value. That's going to fluctuate. That's going to go up and down just as long as you have faith in it. Calculate everything natively in that currency. And that's not something that I hear said a lot. But I think the real diehard native to crypto people know that. However, a lot of newbies coming into the space, they look at the dollar figure because they're coming from their fiat currency and they're buying on the exchange and getting in it specifically for that mint. So, of course, naturally, they're going to look at it as the dollar figure. But again, if you plan to be in the space for a long period of time, I would say don't do that. Just look at it for whatever it is. ETH, Soul, Cardano, all of those things that I just said. And number six, I would say factor in your opportunity costs because not only when you're into a particular project or a particular position, let's say you got into it for 0.1 ETH. And regardless of where the ETH has gone, whether up or down, again, it doesn't matter. I'm calculating this and looking at this and evaluating it just from a purely ETH standpoint. Sometimes it is okay to even say, sell it for a loss. Because if you're watching the project, you understand, let's say the various movements, not saying that you want to dump and get out of it, but let's say that you know that after a certain event is happening or a certain announcement, the price is going to absolutely fall. And 
holding on to it is going to tie up your funds. That is one way you can say, well, your opportunity cost now is at a later time, if something does come that you know another mint or anything or something that you want to purchase is coming up, then it's tied up in that particular project. Or a better, more applicable uh, situation would be the fact that you bought into a project all on hype and expectations of being able to flip it within, let's say, two months or a week or whatever. However, you knew in the back of your head that this other project that you really, really wanted to get into is getting ready to mint. Well, if you tie up your funds in that one particular project and you don't necessarily have the liquidity or available funds to either buy more of that cryptocurrency or transfer it from somewhere else, that you're probably going to miss that mint, the one that you really were interested in. So opportunity cost is, yeah, sure, even if you do end up selling it and making a profit or whatever it might be that you got something that you like, well, if you miss out on what you really, really loved, well, that is a problem. Or in the case of, let's say you really wanted to purchase something that was out of your price range before. And this is not even a mint. This is something that was already there. Maybe you made an offer on the secondary market or whatever, and the person didn't accept it. It didn't go through. Then you go and you tie up all your funds in something that, yeah, you don't really love, but you're hoping it goes up in value. Well, then two weeks later, maybe the circumstances in that person's life has changed and they decide to just dump on half of what you dump on the floor or maybe try to sell it for half of what you were initially trying to offer for it. But you are now tied up in this other position and all of your funds and you cannot buy it. So think of that. And I've been in that situation already where I buy into something else, I tie up some funds and then something else comes out or comes on the market and I can no longer buy it. And that probably hurts more than anything. Number seven, one of the best things that I wish I knew was that probably one of the best values or the cheapest times to actually buy something, get a sale is after the art reveal for a particular project. Because if it mints out, meaning that the 10,000 NFTs, they're all bought and uh, everyone's sitting there and waiting for the art reveal. Typically what happens is there is a spike in the price because everyone is anticipating maybe the rare one or maybe some of them have some unique utilities or some properties that have additional values that are valued by the community. And people would like to have as many of them as possible in their bag, hoping to catch one of those. Well, that causes the price to shoot up dramatically and sometimes even two and a half X, if not more, the actual mint price. And when I think of even Women Tribe, Women Tribe, had a 0.04 ETH mint price and the art reveal price or pre-art reveal price, I should say, went up to 0.4. So that was a 10X. Well, what usually happens is when people don't get that rare one, the one of one or whatever utility, maybe a freebie or something, some unlockable content, they tend to just dump those onto the floor at a considerable discount. And sometimes it is even below the mint price. Women Tribe, on the other hand, going up 10x, that did not happen. It actually ended up cutting in half. So it went from being 0.4 down to about 0.2, if I'm not mistaken. However, I've seen something mint at 0.07 go up to 0.1 or 0.12, 0.14. And then as soon as that art reveal, it goes all the way down to 0.035 or something, half of what the mint price was. And some people might be wondering, well, that is absolutely crazy. Why would someone do that? Well, they probably have 10 of those in the bag. They sweeped up the floor or whatever it might be. And they weren't really there for that project in the long run. They were just hoping to find that lottery ticket, the rare one that they could then turn for the biggest profit. But since they didn't get that one, 
or maybe they did, but the ones that they're going to sell for cheap, those are the ones that are in their eyes, not really worth it. So let's just free up that capital and get into the next thing. And that goes into what I was saying about the opportunity cost. Someone that is a professional flipper just trying to get in in and out of positions, that's why it is. It doesn't necessarily mean that that project or that NFT is not worth anything. It just means that whoever was holding it, they have moved on. They want to free up the capital for whatever reason, and it might not be reflective of the NFT. Now, full disclaimer, or a disclaimer, I should say, they could know something is absolutely wrong with the project and want to get out as quick as possible. However, that is not always the case. Most likely, it is someone that is a flipper by trade, if you will, and they just want to free up the capital and go into the next thing. They want to avoid their lost opportunities. That's the opportunity cost I was speaking about. Number eight, I wish I was told to look at other chains as well. When I first came into the space, it was all about wax. And I probably spent about four or five months or so, probably almost six months, completely locked into wax. Didn't look anywhere else, just collected solely on wax. But then I branched out, went to Tezos, Solano rally and a couple other places that I just think was really cool. As a matter of fact, I think even I tried to get into that matrix drop over on the palm that was through nifties. So just ended up going all over the place. But from day one, I wish someone told me, hey, you know, it's not all about wax or in a lot of people coming in. Well, it's not all about ETH. You know, look somewhere else. There's different utilities, different use cases, different blockchains for different purposes. If you want to do a lot of collecting, go over to wax, you know, just like baseball cards, Pokemon cards. If you want to do some staking and some DeFi, well, probably check out Solano. That is a great option. If you want to solely get into a premium community, like a gated community, find some like-minded people around whatever cause it might be and hope that the value goes up. Well, yeah, then it is definitely ETH. Or if you're looking for a one-of-one artist, something great that is, you know, probably going to go up in value as that artist becomes more famous and prominent. Well, definitely ETH and possibly Tezos. Number nine, I wish someone told me to create content from day one. I started the podcast in November. Sure, I was tweeting out some different things and putting some thoughts together, but I did not have a newsletter. I did not have a podcast, no YouTube videos or anything of that nature. Well, no, let me take that back. I think I did make a YouTube video about an NFT that I purchased or whatever it was, but nothing with any goal. I was just literally just having some fun. But I wish I was documenting the journey, even if I had no intentions of creating a show such as this with the newsletters and all this and had like a huge business plan in mind on how I'm going to do this full time and transition from my quote unquote boring day job into doing all of this. Well, even in that case, I wish I was documenting this stuff, whether it be a blog or just live videos, anything of that nature. I think anyone coming into the space has a future in doing that, and I highly would recommend that to anyone. And you don't have to do what everybody else is doing. Whatever your skill set is, whatever you're interested in, stick into that. Let's say your whole thing is about music NFTs and you just want to review the latest ones. Well, do videos on that or a blog on that, you know, just like anything. You know, there's uh, album reviews or there's art reviews or anything. And this is just an idea. You could literally just do anything that you want, whatever you find interesting that you would consume as a consumer, whether it be reading that stuff or watching that stuff or listening to, well, why not do that? There's probably not a lot of people doing that right now. And I would definitely recommend that someone try something. And if I could go back, that's what I definitely would have done. I would, from day one, I would have started creating content. And lastly, number 10 is that this space is all about roller coaster rides up and down and the emotions go crazy. And 
I just recently found out that this is Mental Health Awareness Month. I did not know that until today that May is all about that. That's something that I'm always about anyways, but definitely in this space, there's anxieties. There's FOMO. There is the pressure of trying to get into something. Then, of course, there is the anxiety of Mint Day. You know, uh, just all of the fumbling and trying to get your money transferred into your wallet. Is this a rug pull? Is this a scam? What's going to go on? What is this a gas war? How much am I going to pay? Am I going to miss out? There's so many things. There's lots of emotions. Oh, I got the piece I wanted. This is absolutely amazing. I'm on top of the world. And then the very next day, the floor price has crashed and it is not worth anything anymore. And now I'm stuck with this piece. There's all sorts of emotions. So I wish someone told me day one that, look, when you come into this space, just know it is moving faster than lightning. And one day in the space could be a year or whatever in another space. So just know, brace yourself for impact, that you have to be mentally prepared for all of this craziness. And as someone who has done a lot of things as far as anxiety work, that is something that I've probably spent the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, something that I highly recommend all the time. And I tweet about, or I've been sharing this on my other social medias, even to my private Facebook pages with my friends and anyone, um, anyone that I see in person, uh, my brother, anyone, I tell them, well, most likely anxiety is affecting you without even realizing it. And the book that helped me to get all this under check is by Margaret Warrenberg. It's called The 10 Best Anxiety Management Techniques, Understanding How Your Brain Makes You Anxious and What to Do to change it. That is probably the best book that I have ever read as far as mental health, trying to straighten out yourself and try to figure out how to different things, breathing techniques, understanding triggers. And trust me, in this NFT space, Web3 space, crypto space, there is a lot of triggers. And all those things that I just mentioned definitely plays on someone's mental health. So being mental health awareness, month and what have you, I would highly recommend that. And if you have any questions, anything of that nature, I am not an expert in any of this stuff. I'm just telling you my personal experiences, whether it be in this NFT space or with mental health, anxiety and all that stuff. Most of the information that I got was from that book. I've read countless other things, articles, been in workshop, watch videos, and I always go back to that book at least every couple years or so. I revisit it, whether it be reading it, listening to the audiobook. So I'll leave a link in the show notes in case you're wondering which book I'm talking about. Check it out on Amazon, whatever. Full disclosure, if you do use that link, it happens to be an affiliate link. So I realize that I'm recommending this book for so many people for so many years that why not become an Amazon associate? So of course, you don't have to use that link, but that is just one of the ways that does support the show. And I am pretty determined not to have any ads and not to have sponsors and what have you. So literally anything I do speak about on the show is stuff that either I'm truly interested in or I have spent my own money on. And that's why I'm sharing it. And that's it. I have no horses in the race. So if there's ever an affiliate link or anything of that nature, I'll always tell you like this. This is definitely one of them. But with that said, I absolutely appreciate that you spend the time to listen to this episode, going through all of these things. And if anyone that you know can benefit from this, please share it with them. These 10 things that I wish I knew from day one, and I hope it helps them. So thanks for going on this journey with me as we learn and build Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.